All right, let's, uh, uh, if you will, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to two passages of Scripture this morning. Uh, the first one is in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. <clears throat> and the other one is going to be in, um, uh, over there in Second uh, Thessalonians. But uh, uh, go to Galatians uh, 6 first. In Galatians chapter 6. <clears throat> Uh, in this passage of scripture, uh, God makes it clear that, uh, there is a law that we as believers are supposed to be following and that is the law of the Christ. In verse two, he talks about bearing one another's burdens. He goes through some of those things. Uh, and, uh, as we begin to realize the importance and the need for individuals to, to, to help each other out, to, to kind of do the right things, uh, he, he, he kind of, Paul uses this phrase in here and he uses it in another place and we'll take a look at it in just a second. But in verse nine, he says, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. He says, be not weary in well-doing. Turn over to second Thessalonians, second Thessalonians chapter three. In Second Thessalonians chapter three, and as he closes this letter to the church at Thessalonica and the believers that are there, in verse thirteen he says, "But ye brethren, be not weary in well doing." And I want to talk about this this morning, and essentially it's be not weary. Be not weary. You know. As I was thinking about what the Lord would have me to preach for the last Sunday morning service, I'm sitting there thinking about all those things. And there was just this general thought that I kept having of, man, this has been a tiring year. This has been a tiring year. Now, some people, this may have been an easy year. Some people, it may have been a harder year. But whatever it is, it's just that mindset just kind of kept kept kind of, if you will, reiterating in my mind in these verses kept coming up and it's just kind of makes it very simple for us to understand God doesn't want us to be tired in certain things. We're going to see that in just a moment, but let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again for all that you've given to us. I pray, Lord, that uh, during this time, we would use it in a way that would please you and honor you, that we would uh, clearly seek to do your will and seek to hear about your will and clearly seek, Lord, uh, to please you and to honor you, but also to do the right thing. And Lord, I just pray that uh, as we study this this morning, as we look to it, that, Lord, it would be an encouragement to us that you've uh, given us the strength that is necessary and the ability that is necessary to do these things that you have asked us to do, to do what is right. And Lord, I just pray that we would keep that mindset as we endeavor to please you by worshiping you and learning from you this morning. I thank you again for those that are here, and I pray for those that are not, that you would bring them back to us healthy and safe. And again, Lord, I pray that all of this would please you and glorify your name and your word. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here in these two passages, there's, he mentions it very similarly about be not weary in well-doing. 
And if I could say very clearly, the scripture makes it very evident that we as believers, that we have a duty to do that is well-doing. We are to do well with whatever it is, with whatever actions we are, 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 are going to do. They should be that which is good, that which is, which is well. If we fail in that, we are failing to do what we have been asked to do, what God has instructed us to do. And he makes it very clear here that we are to be doing that. Well-doing is doing that which is good. It's doing that which is right. It's doing that which is according to the will of God. That believers don't understand that is is one of the things that really hampers them in their Christian lives when they realize that they're not supposed to get tired in doing that. They're not supposed to get tired in, in continually doing all of these things. And this, th- these two verses, if you will, will kind of act as a warning to us, to the believer, about what is a common Christian life setback. We just get tired of stuff. We just get tired of stuff. We get tired, we get in a funk. We get, we get kind of like, you know, the, this mindset of like, ah, oh, here we go again. We just, it becomes a drudgery. It becomes laborious. It becomes heavy upon us. And the one thing that I know is that, that, that God said his burden is easy and light. He makes it very clear that, 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 that we get all of the strength that we need from him. When Paul was praying for that thorn in the flesh to be removed, God, God made a sentence in the, in 2 Corinthians that resounds very true today. Just as it was true to Paul, it's true to us today. God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. As believers, we should take that and say, his grace is sufficient for me. I don't need anything else. What more do I need other than the grace of God? What more is there in life to achieve or to, to work towards or to, to desire or, 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 or to, to, to try to obtain? Nope. All I need is God's grace. Because as we look at God's grace and, and what his grace is and his work, that's all I need is I need God working in my life, strengthening me, encouraging me, helping me. All of these things are needed. So when Paul is there with that thorn in the flesh that makes him weak, he gets to glorify in God that the strength that he has is from his Savior. And this is the same type of mindset that we should have. But these verses that we see, it's a warning. We get tired of stuff. When I was a young child, uh, my favorite fruit was oranges. I loved them. I couldn't get enough of them. And then one Christmas, I open up one of the presents that's under the tree. It's very heavy. And it is a full box of oranges and I'm like oh cool and 
you know, about the first two days, it was enjoyable. <laughs> the third day, you start questioning it. By 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 the time the week was over, my mom was kind of getting on me, like, "You need to finish this box of oranges; they're going to go bad." And I'm sitting there going, "There's so much oranges one person can eat." You know, there's just only so much of that. I grew tired of them. I grew tired of them. Sometimes we grow tired of certain things that are provided to us. I mean, if you were to have the same meal over and over and over and over again, even though it's your favorite meal, you'd grow tired of it. You'd become weary. It would slow you down. Let's be honest, that's what weariness is. You know, as things happen and as things occur, uh, I, for me personally, I, I wear out. You know, the reason I'm sitting in the chair is because I still am very weary. I, I don't have the endurance and the stamina that I used to have prior, you know, pre-surgeries. You know, Lord willing, I'll get there one day, but, uh, you know, in the meantime, I've got this very nice, comfortable chair. But I will say this, I grow weary. And sometimes we grow weary of, uh, dare I say, we grow weary of foolishness. My tolerance level for stupidity has decreased as I've gotten older. <laughs> I used to be able to tolerate it pretty good, but then at a certain point in time, it just kind of like things changed. And I started watching people and I'm like, man, alive. I know I did some stupid things, but that, that, that one right there. (laughs) Yes, I judge people that way. So, but I just kind of looked at it and was like, wow. Tolerance, tolerance wanes. And I'll tell you this, this is why God makes it very clear in these two commandments to two churches that were going through some real tough stuff. In the one church in Galatia, they're being, if you will, just browbeat into legalism, browbeat into traditions of men, browbeat into doing the law, uh, uh, you know, again, for the purpose of salvation, which it wasn't. But they're just being pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And at some point in time, you just get tired. The church at Thessalonica is going through some persecution and really severe persecution. You go over there and read about what happened in the book of Acts, book of Acts of the apostles, what's going on. They're getting drug out into the street, pulled out of their houses. No wonder the church at Thessalonica keeps asking, are we in the tribulation? Is the Lord coming back? They're going through some tough stuff. Both of these, whether they're spiritual, doctrinal, or whether there's physical oppression, whatever it may be, God makes it clear in these two passages that as believers, we are not to be weary in that well-doing that we are to continue doing that good thing that God has ordained us unto. If you turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, he makes it clear, see there, uh, you know, the verses we, you know, often cite as we say, 
our, our, our Ephesians, uh, um, uh, two, eight and nine, but in, in, in verse 10, he gives us the reason why or what happens after we're saved. In verse eight, he says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not a physical thing. You can't obtain it. You can work all day long to try to obtain it and you'll never get salvation. You can work an entire lifetime. You will never obtain it. It's only provided from God as a gift. But in verse 10 here, he says, once you're saved, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk uh, in them. That means that he had a purpose before you got saved that you were to walk in his will, that you were to walk in doing good, good works. Not to save you, not to keep you saved, but simply that was your purpose. Man is supposed to do what is right. But man often chooses the wrong thing. And, and, and there's some reasons why, and we'll see that in a minute. But I want us to understand this. You know, even though we grow tired of things, this is not what God has told us that we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to stop doing those things that are good just because we're tired. Take a look at over in Psalm chapter 25. Psalm chapter 25. If we are to mirror the pattern that God has set for us, and we are to behave ourselves godly, that means that we are to take a mindset and actions that would follow suit with what God would desire in our life. What God has ordained, what God has laid out, what God has put before us in examples of how he behaves. You want to know how to be a good father? Take a look at God the Father. You want to know how to to, to, to be a, 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 a woman that is godly? Take a look at wisdom. Take a look at how he portrays that. And specifically see it's in a female sense. That's the expectation of how God expects women to behave. His expectation of men and how they should behave. But what we find here in Ephesians chapter 25 and in verse 8, it says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. This is the idea and the concept that God is good and upright. God is always going to do good. God is never going to be weary and well-doing. God is never going to get tired of doing what is right. God is never going to say, you know, this whole righteousness thing, I don't think I can do it any longer. That's not even in his nature. It's not his character. It's not who he is. He gives us this, uh, if you will, to instruct us and to show us. To show a sinner how they can change. How they can walk in the right path. That they don't have to walk into a path of destruction. They don't have to walk into the gates of hell. He makes it clear here that we as believers, you know, he's not going to be weary in well-doing. People are going to say, well, he's God and I'm not. But didn't he give us that strength? Hasn't he told us that we can do all things through him? 
Hasn't he said that with God, with men, it's impossible. With God, it's possible. With him, we try to do it on our own. Yeah, we're going to get tired. But if we're doing it with God, we won't. Give you an example. You're, you, maybe you're working a warehouse or somebody works in a warehouse. Uh, a big 53-foot trailer pulls up and it's, it's packed from one end to the other all the way to the top. The person at the dock sits there and goes, man, I got to unload all this by hand. That person's going to get weary. They're going to get weary really quickly. But if somebody comes along that's used to bench pressing 500 pounds, that's built like some sort of mutant human being, that's got muscles on his earlobes, walks up to the thing and says, I'll help you with this. And you're like, please. And he picks up a whole stack of the boxes and moves them like they're toothpicks. And you're like, this is going to be easy. (laughs) And he's not even breaking a sweat and he's getting it done. And you're just, you know, you're moving one box at a time and, 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 and you're just laboring, but you're laboring together. You're working together. And that's what it's like working with the Lord. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary. And he does a lot of the heavy lifting, if not all of the heavy lifting. It's in his nature to do that. It's in God's will to do good. Turn over to Psalm 143. Psalm 143. And I say all of this to just kind of, if you will, remind us that, that yeah, we're not supposed to be weary and well-doing, but we're supposed to be doing well in the first place. That we're supposed to be doing those things that are good. In Psalm 143, Psalm 143 in verse 10, it says, teach me to do thy will. I love this verse. Teach me to do thy will. We were just talking about the will of God in Sunday school. Will of God is one of the most important things that Christian needs to get a hold of and needs to get a hold of very fast. If you get a hold of what the will of God is in your life, you will have a great start in your Christian life and you will move forward for God and you will continue to grow. If you do not know what the will of God is, then you will struggle in your Christian life. Just that simple. So what does the psalmist say? Teach me to do thy will. Teach me. You ask God to teach you, he will. Don't complain about the lessons when they come, though. Don't complain, you know, when the midterm shows up or the final and you're sitting there going, ah, don't complain about those lessons. Be thankful for them. But I'll tell you this, whatever you learn or whatever you fail in, you need to learn from. You need to learn from. That's why failure exists. To learn. To learn. Teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. 
psalmist acknowledges first and foremost he needs to be taught by the will of taught the will of god by god because he's received god as his god and as that will exists he notes exactly what it is it's good and upright it's good and upright the will of god is not hard to understand it's really not just do well do good. Do good. That's what God has asked us to do. I gotta quote it. Gotta go there. Romans 12. <laughs> gotta go there. Romans 12 and, and take a look at verse 2 and, and, and again, you, you know I love this passage, but I want you to want to point this part out specifically about the will of God where he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. A believer is supposed to prove something in their life, by the way. You're supposed to prove it. Don't you hate it when somebody would come up to you and you'd say something and they go, prove it. (laughs) Well, here's what God says. You claim that you're a Christian and you're going to claim that you've got that transformed mind. You need to prove it. But what you're proving isn't your diligence in it. You're proving what the will of God is. Look at this. Prove what what is that good, keep that word in mind, an acceptable and perfect will of God. Your life is supposed to prove what God's will is. And God's will is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the way we should be living. A repentant life that shows that we have turned to the one true God that loves us and cares for us and provides for us and strengthens us and helps us along every step of this life. And it takes a different kind of mind to think that way. Not the mind of the world, not the mind of the flesh, not occupied on self. But solely thinking about, how can I prove God's will in my life today? But look at what he describes God's will as. Good. Not only is it acceptable, not only is it perfect, but it's good. It's good. Don't you like it when you get a good meal? I mean, it's one of those meals that you sit down to and you go, oh man, this is good. The other day we stopped by the Aldridge house and, uh, John, John tempted me. Yeah, I know. He tempted me and I succumbed to the temptation. He had, he had made this, uh, uh smoked deer. Oh, oh, it was good. Now, I can't have a lot of game meat because of some of my medical stuff, but, but, ah, man, I said, I'll take a little bit. I took a little bit and I'm going to say, I'm going to take a little bit more. (laughs) I'm going to take a little bit more. And he had it on this plate and I said, I need to stop. And he goes, okay, that's all right. I'll finish it. And he, he, it was good. That was good. 
When you get good meal like that, when you get good food, I mean, just think about what it does to you and how it just, it can change everything just like that. You might be in the, just the worst funk in the world. And then somebody brings your perfect comfort food and you begin to eat it and your attitude changes over food. Over a bowl of mac and cheese, over whatever it is that's a comfort food. Things change, right? Think about that as the will of God. That when you come to do the will of God, that's the same kind of, if you will, mindset and thought process that you have. This is good. If we keep that mindset, we're not going to grow weary in the well-doing. Because it's always going to be new. It's always going to be fresh. It's always going to be something different every single day, every single moment. As we strive to do the will of God. But I will tell you this. Doing what is well and doing what is good takes maintenance. Turn over the book of Titus. In Titus chapter 3. Titus being one of the pastoral epistles as they're referred to. He's instructed Timothy in 1st and 2nd Timothy about how to be that kind of pastor that pleases God. Here he's instructing Titus in the same thing. In Titus chapter 3, he goes through and he, he, he gives some, if you will, protocol about what a pastor is supposed to do. And in, you know, in verse one is always the one of the tough ones that pastors have to do. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates and to be ready to every good work. That's the idea. Now you don't make them do it, but you put that in their mind. He says in there, put them in mind to be subject. Put them in mind to be ready to every good work. That's kind of what I'm doing this morning, if you will. But look at what is necessary with good works in verse 8. This is a faithful saying. A faithful saying. This is what a faithful servant does. This is what somebody that is called faithful does. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. So a faithful servant is going to constantly be affirming these things, saying these things are true, saying these things are necessary, saying these things must be accomplished. And he's saying this is what pastors, this is what leaders, this is what you know, fathers, mothers, these are what people that are in authorities are supposed to be doing, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. There's a lot of things we shouldn't care about in this life. You really should not care what other people think about you. You need to care more about what God views you as. You need to care more about what God thinks you're doing is whether it's right or whether it's wrong, whether you're pleasing him. Why? Because you can never please mankind. Because they are a fickle bunch. What pleases them one day makes them, makes them melt like a snowflake the next. It's true. 
And you got all these people running around out there, and all these pro-Palestinian demonstrations and marches and stuff like that. And, and you sit there and you think to yourself, well, well, hold on a second. So you're saying that we should allow Hamas to continue? I would not recommend it. I, I, I would not even recommend looking into what Hamas has done because it'll make you sick. It will disgust you. It'll make you want to go over there with a nuclear bomb and blow them off the face of the map because they are so abhorrent. And I'm talking about, not, I'm not talking about the Palestinian people. I'm talking about the people that are murderers, child killers, rapists, and disgusting individuals because they choose to reject God. That's what I'm talking about. But I'll tell you this. They're fickle. One moment they're saying, oh, we need to stand for women's rights. You think Hamas stands for women's rights? The right to vote? No, they treat them as property. They treat them in a disgusting manner. I'm sorry, they're fickle. One hand they say this, on the other hand they say that, and then you point it out, they just scream. That's what they do. It's illogical. But but I'll tell you this. If you're trying to please God in doing his will and following what the word of God says, you'll be fine. But he says here to be careful. That means that you exhibit great care in your life to do what? To maintain good works. You get a car, you got to maintain that car. You know, one of the benefits about having electric cars is that they don't have the same service intervals that regular cars have. The car that I have out there, the first service that is required by by the manufacturer is 60,000 miles. I don't have to worry about anything for 60,000 miles. Just fill up the the whatever you call it, the the windshield washer fluid. They'll go in, they'll take a look, they'll check it. Well, they say, yeah, you can bring it in every 10,000, whatever, and we'll take a look at it. We'll rotate the tires. But when you're talking about maintenance, it takes some time for it to do that. But there's other vehicles. You got to be careful on the maintenance. You got to be careful on the maintenance. All those high-end cars, like the Ferraris and stuff, you got to maintain those things almost every time you drive one, because they're so finely put together, and 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 they just they require heavy maintenance. There are more cars. There are cars that require more maintenance than other cars. Some cars, like you know, some of those old Subarus, you can just let them go. As long as you change the oil, you're fine, right? You don't have to, you don't have to worry about it that much. But I'll tell you this. There's other cars you gotta watch and you gotta do every single, every single day you get in that car, you gotta make sure you gotta go through the checklist, check the oil, check the belts, check the tires, check all these things to make sure it's running. 
There are things in this life that sometimes we, we don't need to be as careful with. But when it comes to what God wants us to be careful with, it's maintaining those good works in our life. And it requires maintenance. It requires frequent visitation. It requires a constant, if you will, reaffirmation in our mind. It constant, and that's what he's talking about here, that thou will affirm constantly. Constantly telling people, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what pleases God. This is the will of God. This is how you encourage one another. This is how you edify one another. This is this. All these things that we find from the word of God that God tells us to do. He tells us we need to be careful for that. So if we're going to understand the concept of how not to be weary in well-doing, we have to understand that first and foremost, the Christian life is about doing what is good. That it is the will of God to do what is good because it is in his character and nature to do that which is good. And that we have to constantly maintain that thought process and not just put it, if you will, into an autopilot, but to purpose to do those things. Because here's what happens. We will grow weary in doing what is good if we are no longer looking towards Christ, but looking to men. If I try to be a man pleaser, I will never please. The adage goes that you can never please 100% of people 100% of the time. There will always be a naysayer. There will always be one group. And then if you try to please that one, then another one pops up. And then you try to please those two. And even though it may be in conflict, there comes a third one. But if you keep your mind on Christ and you keep your eyes upon him and you keep your thoughts and your concerns and your hearts and your affections solely upon God and his will in doing that, then you have that right path. But you'll grow weary if you're just trying to please men. You'll grow weary if you're just trying to please men. Uh, you, you will, you will grow weary if you care more about yourself than you care about the glory of God. Remember, everything that we do is for His glory. Should be for His glory, as I said this morning. If we cannot say, does this please God? Does this glorify him? If somebody was to look on it on the outside, would they say, I don't understand why they're doing that, but man, God's getting the glory out of that. That's the right thing. But if we sit there and try to please ourselves and we care more about ourselves and care more about those things than trying to, 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 if you will, be careful to do the will of God, to give him glory, to give him praise, which again, we are supposed to do. That, that, that's the whole concept behind it, doing what is right. He ordained us to do those things which are good because it brings glory and praise to him. But we keep our eyes on ourselves. And we don't care about the glory of God. We will grow weary in well-doing. 
this Christian life will become tiresome and burdensome if it's not about God and his glory. You know what else we get weary? We get weary if we're seeking recognition from man rather than God. Yeah. Bible says studies show thyself approved. Right? Approved to who? Unto God. So study to show thyself approved unto God. Not man. Not anyone else. I I don't study the word of God to please you guys. I study the word of God to please God. Because if I do that and then I turn around and give you what God's given me, then you guys will be edified to turn around and give glory to God for what you've heard and what you've received. And then you get to turn around and use that again for the glory of God to teach others. That's the concept. But again, if I'm sitting there trying to do this all for myself, if I'm sitting there trying to get recognition from man and accolades from man, trying to get the attaboys, the good jobs, the I'm proud of you, that type thing. No, it's about pleasing him. Because according to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, we were created for his pleasure. Not ours and not anybody else's. His. So we'll get weary if we wind up seeking recognition from man rather than God. We'll run around in circles because we're constantly trying to be pleasing and getting recognition from anyone else and everyone else. And you know what happens? If you don't get recognized, you get weary. You ever been in a job where nobody recognizes the good work that you put in? You're sitting there and you're laboring all day and you just, I mean, you're doing all everything that you can and, and, and nobody says thank you. Nobody says, man, that was a tough week. Good job. The other day, you know, around Christmas time, it happens every year. You get the flood of requests that come in and you're just like, you wanted when? Two hours? We're the legal department. We're not McDonald's. We don't do it that fast. You know, you just sit there and you just groan within yourself. And you know what was nice when one of the coworkers gives the, and says, thanks team. We all came together and pulled this through. It was nice to hear that. It was nice to get that little bit of a recognition. But if I go through life seeking that, and when I don't get it, I will grow tired of doing that job. And I'll begin to loathe it, and I'll begin to hate it, and I'll begin to want to go somewhere else. But if I seek the recognition from God, you know what all I'm looking for? 
Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The end of my life, that's the only thing that I really want to hear. And I know I've failed a few times, like we all have. But I want to strive to that because I want to please him. I want to take what he's given me and hopefully grow it a little bit. You go over there, the the, the parable of the talents, and you notice that, that one guy, he grew it a lot. One guy, he grew it a little, but they were both good, faithful servants. It's the one that didn't do anything with what God gave him that God was upset with. We grow weary when we fail to trust God for the results. Trusting God is one of the biggest problems that Christians have. Man, we trust Jesus Christ for our salvation, but why is it we can't trust him on our day-to-day activities? Why is it we've got the mentality of, oh, God, I got this, and then we sit there and we frustrate ourselves and we work ourselves into, you know, these ulceric messes and anxiety-ridden and just, you know, just, if you will, the, the emotional hairballs that we become, and then and then we sit there and then we cry to God. And the failure is on our part where we fail to trust God with the results. We do what we do, we do what we can, we do what our abilities are, and we leave everything to God because he's the one that gets the glory. He's the one that gets the honor and the praise. But if if I fail to trust him with the results, the Bible says that his word will not return void, meaning that it does cause an impact. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to come and immediately be received and people are going to be joyous about it. Sometimes the return that comes back is kind of some of the stuff that that Jeremiah ran into. The guy gets so angry, he rips up the word of God, cuts it up with a pen knife, burns the things, you know, stuff like that. Not well received. but it works to provide conviction. It works to provide correction. It works to provide all those things. But I have to leave that to the Holy Spirit. As Paul said, some water, some plant, some water, but it's God that gives the increase. You give those verses, look, I can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. I can't get anybody uh, out of hell or anything of that nature. But you know who can? The Lord can. But he'll use me to give a verse. He'll use me to hand out a track. He'll use me to uh, be an example of the believers. He'll use me to do whatever it is. But I leave those results to God. If I frustrate myself with trying to get those results that I want to see, I'll grow weary. I'll grow weary. The last thing that grows weary is when we lose sight of the objective. When we lose sight of the purpose of why we're here. When we lose sight of what God's plan is. 
when we lose sight of what God has purposed in our lives to do. I'll grow weary of doing those things that God asks me to do. And and, and I'll tell you this. If you really want to know what uh, doing good is, if you really want to know what well-doing is all about, there are some tests. There's some way to figure this out. I like what Spurgeon said, and he he, he basically said something along the lines of, uh, he says, if you want to know what the doing good is, he says, I'll give you some hints and some tests. He says, everything is doing good that is done in obedience to a divine command. If you obey God, you are doing well. Like, wait, is it that easy? Yep. That simple. That mindset. God said it. Do it. Don't wait. Don't wait to do it tomorrow. Don't wait to do it the next day. Don't wait to do it on your timing. God says it. Do it. Do it now. Do it when he tells you to do it. Follow him. Spurgeon goes on and, and basically says that if you have God's word for it, it's doing good. Meaning that if uh, you find it in the word of God to do, example, pray without ceasing. That's doing good. Seek to excel at edifying. That's good. He says covet the best gifts. Charity, that's doing good. Why? Because it's all found in the Word of God. If it's found outside of the Word of God, probably isn't as good as you think it is. You're probably going to get disappointed. You ever have that happen? You get a new food, you get a new product, you know, product, something you think of, and you're like, oh man, this is really going to, this is going to be good, and then you taste it, and you're like, yeah. It's not as good as you thought it would be. Well, that's what the world's going to offer you. But you find it from the Word of God, it will be good. It will be good. He goes on and he says, When God says, do this, let it be done at once. That is doing good. And if he says, "Thou, you shall not, the doing good is fleeing from the accursed thing. If God says, don't touch it, run away. And he tells them, flee, flee youthful lusts. Flee these things. Flee this. Flee that. Run away from things. God says, yeah, it's okay to run away from those things. Why? Because they're not good for me, for you. And it's not cowardice to run. Let's just make that clear. It's not cowardice to run. I'll give you a good example. We've got a railroad that goes on over here. I will tell you this. If one day one of those tankers rolls over and it starts releasing chlorine gas, I'm going to run. I'm not sticking around. 
yeah, I got a gas mask at home. Don't ask me why. But <laughs> I'm going to run because I know what that stuff does. I'm not sticking around for that. And I'm not a coward to do so. Why? Because I can't fight chlorine gas. But when God says to move away from something, and we do, that's doing well. That's doing what is good. And I want to encourage you at the end of this year, because a lot of us got tired this year. A lot of us got tired, and it was a struggle, and it was a fight. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't give up doing what is right. Don't get, walk away from doing good constantly. God gives these two commands to these two churches that we get to read and we get that application from. And I will tell you this. The great part about it is, is that I can see God telling me, be not weary in well-doing. Keep pressing on. Keep moving forward. We're going to enter 2024 here in a few hours. New year. Be not weary in well-doing. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time, and I thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to just look at your word and to hear what you have to say to us. And Lord, I thank you for the encouragement and the edification that you give us and the motivation to move forward, to continue to grow in you and to grow in your word, that, Lord, we would continue to do those things that please you and honor you, to continue doing well in this life as you've instructed us and directed us. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us here today would just make that purpose, whether we call it a resolution or whether we just call it purposing. I pray, Lord, that we would purpose to continue that into 2024. In the year, whether it's completed or you come back, when we move into 2025, whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that we would just continue in that work that glorifies you, that gives praise to your name, that speaks of all the grace and the works that you've done and the salvation that you wrought for us, and the eternal life that lies ahead, that, Lord, we would not be weary in well-doing, in telling others that need a Savior, in telling those that have received you as their Savior, to encourage, to edify, for growth, so that we all may grow together in you. I thank you again, Lord, for those that are here, and I pray, Lord, that, that we take this time as we sing, and lift up your, your, your word and your name in praise that, Lord, we would just be very mindful of how much we've received, not just this year, but through our entire lives. And I thank you and praise you for all of this. And this I ask and pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>